It's Wednesday night in Yerushalayim, and we're talking about the parasha of Pinchas. This shear is dedicated by Bati and Eddie Jacobs in honor of the birth of a granddaughter. Wow. Emma Ann. Wow, I like that name. Emma Ann to Akiva and Maria. With prayers for for Shlema. You know, we happily we hope for Shlema of every, everybody, but thankfully, life has been increased for many people to the point where we would have never have expected. So when we think of the Refuah Shleima, we should also think about the goodness in, that we have in life. But in any event, I remember, I remember when Eddie Jacobs came to the yeshiva. Wow. Just remember things. When you get old, you remember things. Okay, we're going to talk about the parish of Pinchas. The end of the parish of Bilam or Balak, and the beginning of the parish of Pinchas is a continuation of a story. So Pasuk Aleph says, "Vayeshev Yisrael b'shitim introductory information." B'nei Yisrael lived in a war in a place called Shitim, Vayachel Ha'am, and then it all started to go back bad. Liz noted Benot Moab, they were taken up with the daughters of Moab and they uh, acted indiscriminately. Rashi says, Liz te- or teaches us, Liz noted Benot Moab, you see that, you see the Rashi, Liz noted Benot Moab, Al Yidei Atzad Bil'am. With Bilam, the Gemara says, Chelek is the name of the last chapter of Sanhedrin. I don't know who wrote those two words, but let's say Rashi wrote them. He says, referencing us. He's saying, you know what the source is, how I know what I know? I know what the Gemara tells me. What the Gemara doesn't tell me, I don't know. So he says that these people, these people were kind of confused, and Bilam took advantage of it. Now, what confused B'nai Yisrael? What was it that they thought? Why did they think they could get away with it? Why were they all involved in some kind of unmentionable Avera? So the answer is that B'nai Yisrael are watching Bilam and Bullock on that hill, not far away. And Bilam is guaranteeing that he's going to curse B'nai Yisrael. And what happens? Bracha. Another bracha. And another bracha. And then the future is discussed by Bilam. And it all seems to really be good. So B'nai Yisrael, they kind of relaxed. They let down their barriers of protection. And when the Benot Moav came, When Benot Moav came, they thought they were invincible. They said, look, they did away with Bil'am. And Bil'am understood. Bil'am understood very well. The Yetzirah is a hard thing to do away with. 
a hard thing. It's hard to correct improper behavior. It's hard to change who you are. But even though that's the guarantee of tshuva, repentance, it's difficult to act in, in that way. It's difficult to say, I've done it. I've overcome the Yetzirah. So Bil'am, who as we know was a prophet, and as a prophet he was privy to information that most people didn't have. And he understood that if he attacked, B'nai Yisrael attacked through the agency of the Yetzirah, he might actually be victorious. And for a very short time, he actually was. Now, let's look at the next pasuk. Pasuk bet, but the krena la'am, Moshe Rabbeinu. He called to them, l'zochei Eloheihen. To those who participated in the sacrifice, yochal ha'am ba'yishdachavu l'eloheihen. And they were having a big party. They were having a big party. And Rashi is very clear about what happened. Listen to the Rashi. Rashi says, They they bowed down to the, I guess the gods of Moab, whoever they were or whatever it was, the person's is grabbing onto him and telling him to do something that he shouldn't do. And he says to this woman, like the sort of, they like paired off. And he says to this woman, do what I say. And she takes out a anak, we call it in Hebrew, right, from her bosom, which is a picture of a of the idol, the idol pa'or, from her bosom. I did a bad thing. She says to him, No, 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 first bow down to the idol. First bow down to the idol. So these women, these women were, were kind of been waiting. They, they had planned it before. They knew that they might be called to action, you know. It's like being trained to destroy the fiber of B'nai Yisrael. And so, so that's what happened. And that's why the men of Yisrael bowed down to the idols, bowed down to that to the idols. So, nothing worse has ever been said about B'nai Yisrael. They tied themselves to the idol of of. Uh, of Midian, outside Moab, the name of the idol was Peor. They attached themselves to the idol. And God was angry 
et Yisrael. And Rashi tells us, Shalach Bahem Magifa. That God sent a pestilence in their midst. People started dying. Besides that, besides that Rashi says that God was punishing B'nai Yisrael, there's another story. Story number two. Story number one. B'nai Yisrael are doing a terrible thing. It seems like a lot of them are involved. HaKadosh Baruch Hu punishes. Second part, second story. Mayom Hashem El Moshe, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu turns to Moshe Rabbeinu and says, you have to do something. Tachet kol rashay ha'am otam l'ashem ad ha'shemesh. V'yashov charon af ha'shem Yisrael. So there was this idea that B'nai Yisrael, they punish, they'll do tshuva. They'll understand what to do, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants to call it over. How does HaKadosh Baruch Hu call off the Magefa that has attacked B'nai Yisrael? How does he do that? So the answer is, the answer is, Hoka Otam Lashem, Neged Hashem, you take the, the leadership, Rashi Ha'am, and you kind of nail them up so that everybody can see what happened to them. So they have the feeling that HaKadosh Baruch doesn't want to continue with the Magifa. And he gives Moshe Rabbeinu a direct uh, uh, method for ending it. Rashi says, What's Rashi Ha'am? I think the important word here is Lishpot. And we'll see why later, but the word Lishpot means justice, right? To go into the court system, to judge them, to judge whom the Ovdim Lipa'or, the people who are over the Avodizor. So there are two things happening. On the one hand, God says, Moshe Rabbeinu, you can do it. And what can you do? You have to uh, uh, somehow create a, a new a, a new kind of measure of things. Up to now, the people are copying each other. One does it, the other one does it, the third one does it. The various have a, are contagious. It, it's it's hard to do uh, to to be a non-avera doer when everybody around you is doing the avera. That's very difficult. So Kodesh Baruch said, you got to stop it. You have to stop this kind of follow the leader, right? You have to stop it. And so what you have to do is, Pasuk Dalid, Kach et kol rashay ha'am, take the leadership, put them up so that everybody can see them and then Vyashov Haron Af Hashem Mi Israel, the anger that Hashem has for B'nai Yisrael will abate, will become less. So that's a that's a method. That's a method. Right? Rashay Ha'am, that's what the Pasuk says. Tachat Rashay Ha'am. Moshe Rabbeinu, however, Moshe Rabbeinu uh, says in Pasuk hey, here, Vayomer Moshe el Shoftei Yisrael Shoftim. 
judges. Shoftei Yisrael. Ergu ish anashava nitzvadim lebal paor. You have to kill the people who are with you, who are placing themselves with Baal Pa'or. How they place it on Baal Pa'or? They, they are willing to involve themselves with the Benot Midyan, but Mo'av. Right? Here, Gu Ish Anashav, Rashi says, Kol Echad Echad Midayanei Yisrael. All of the judges of Yisrael each one would kill two others. With Dayanei Yisrael, Shmona Ribo, Bishmonat Alafim, Kideita Bisanhedrin. Okay, I don't want to get involved. The numbers, big numbers. They they somehow managed to kill a lot of people. They they killed a lot of people. That would seem to us. If I had to explain this story up to now. Right, there was a problem, and Moshe Rabbeinu received information about Kodesh Mogul and said, you can solve the problem. How do you solve the problem? You take the leadership who's involved, and you show them the whole nation that they're doing in Avera. How do you show them that? Well, you kill them. You have to kill them. We call that, we have a name for that. Boer Hamit. All right, we'll talk about that in a minute. So, so that's a story. That's a story. Now, there's another story. It was Moshe Rabbeinu took care of the problem, I think. Who's crying? Who's crying? Well, the people are crying, and Moses are crying, but crying, you know, crying is not a word of action. Crying doesn't mean they were doing something. Crying means they were unhappy with what they had had been doing. Okay. So that's the end of the story, I would say. Except that the story continues. And introduces another character. Another character. Pasuk Zayin. Vayar Pinchas ben Alazar ben Aron HaKohen. Vayakom mitoch ha'itah. Vayikach romach biyadol. Pinchas. Somebody we don't know that well. Came. He took a spear. Romach. Biyadol. Vayavachar ish Yisrael. He saw a man of Yisrael. And he killed him. Ela kubat his intestines by korch dehem et ish Yisrael vet aisha el kovata vet ayatzar hamagefas. So one thing we understand, we understand that Moshe Rabbeinu was unable to fulfill the demand of a kodesh baruch. Somehow, for some reason, Pinchas came along. And what did he do, Pinchas? He did what Hashem told Moshe Rabbeinu to do. So what's the big deal with Pinchas? Pinchas was just the follow-up. He was the follow-up, but he was successful. Why was he successful? Why was he successful? 
Hema Bochim. I skipped this Rashi, but I'm going back to it now. You see the Rashi? Hema Bochim. Why were they crying? Rashi says, I don't know. Why were they crying? Moshe Rabbeinu and the Israel, the, the ones who were supposed to kill, why were they crying? They, they lost track of the halacha. They had learned the halacha, but they forgot it, or they didn't know it, or they were not careful about it. And what was the halacha that they learned? Kol ha-boel Anybody who has illicit relations with the Aramit, with the woman who is a foreigner, Kanoim Pogimbo. What does Kanoim Pogimbo mean? The Kanoim, the zealots, can go and kill him. What does it mean? What does it mean? It means there's no due process. What do you do ordinarily if somebody's Mechalal Shabbos? I mean, I'll take you the example that's in the Chumash. You can arrest them, but you can't carry out the judgment unless you have witnesses, unless you have information, unless you know what exactly what it was that happened. Then you could punish him. Means this transgression is so great that we can't afford to wait for due process. We can't wait for the courts to make that decision. We can't. That's the halacha that this that, that they forgot about, that they didn't know. Right? So Rashi says they all cried, this miserable cry. The Egel Amad Moshe Kineged Shishim Ribo. With the Egel, Rashi is going to ask a question. The Cheta Egel, when they built the golden calf, and they paid that out, they were all involved. Shishim Ribo, 600,000 of them, but Moshe Rabbeinu stood up against them, Shinemar, and it says in the Pesach, he destroyed the uh, he destroyed the idol. He chopped it up into very small pieces. How come Moshe Rabbeinu was unable to do the same thing here? Why did he have to wait for Pinchas? Why did he wait for Pinchas? Pinchas so the whole point, according to Rashi, was that Moshe Rabbeinu, he could have done it, but he didn't do it because he wanted to give space for Pinchas. Pinchas was going to be a special person, and he's going to become a special person at this time. <laughs> what is he talking about? Because Pinchas was supposed to be a special person, so Moshe Rabbeinu is not going to do what he could do to save the people? That doesn't sound to me like Moshe Rabbeinu. Doesn't sound to me like the charge that Moshe Rabbeinu re- re- received at the snare. He wasn't protective of Pinchas. Pasuk Zion. Pasuk Zion. Zion. 
I'm sorry. That's Hema Bochim. Vaya Pinchos ben Elazar ben Aron HaKohen. Again, Pinchas is a man of action, right? Look at the verb. It's Vayar, he saw. I'm sorry. Vayar. Vayar. Vayakom. Vayikach. And he sort of knifed them at Shnehem, at Ishis, wherever the Ishas, and they don't have names. But he did it. He did it. He Pilchas. But we don't understand why Pilchas was necessary. Moshe Rabbeinu received that same direction from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. What's it got to do with Pilchas? Pasuk Yud Vayedaber Hashem El Moshe Leimor and HaKadosh Baruch Hu turns to Moshe Rabbeinu to summarize what happened what happened Pasuk Yud Alep Pinchas Ben Elazar Ben Aron HaKohen Ishi Bichavati Mial Bnei Yisrael Pinchas Ben Elazar Ben Aron HaKohen while he has a full name his father's name his grandfather's name you don't say that about a person who's not important that's an important person. I mean, he saved the Jewish people. We asked, why did we need him to change to save the Jewish people? Why couldn't Moshe Rabbeinu do it? However, it was true that he did save the Jewish people. Whatever you say, that's the truth. So, he kind of reduced my anger, God says. He did it for my sake. And I, HaKadosh Baruch did not do away with B'nai, with B'nai Yisrael. So there are two stories. The story of Moshe Rabbeinu, and then the story of Pinchas. And the two stories are the same. And because the two stories are the same, the directive is the same, we don't understand why Pinchas was even involved. I mean, what was the issue that Pinchas was dealing with? What was the way we are, to, are we are told to understand the story? So I'll tell you this. Moshe Rabbeinu received the directive from HaKadosh Baruch Kill them. Kill the people who are doing the wrong thing. And if you do what I say, and you kind of promote it and put the guilty uh, the high-powered, guilty people up in the, in the air so everybody can see them, they will return themselves to the state that they were in previously. So, we have to understand that Mishpat, when we judge somebody, we want to somehow achieve the truth. And that's very difficult. It's very difficult to ascertain what happened yesterday, let alone a month ago, a year ago, or several years ago. It's very difficult, well-nigh impossible, to understand 
what a person's motives are and what the actual, uh, the thing that led him to do whatever he did. It's very difficult for us. Very difficult for us. So that Boales Aramis, that Gemara that says that if you have relations with a, a woman who is going to lead you astray and bring you into the world of idolatry, you don't have to wait for due process. You don't have to go to the Beit Mishpat. You don't have to do anything. Because in this particular case, what you are doing, the Kana Impogimbo, what you are doing is you're having, you're having faith that HaKadosh Baruch will protect the integrity of the system. That the people will understand that it's the right thing to do. And the people will turn away from Yetzirah and other sorts of bad influences. That's what Boel Haramit Kianoim Pogimbo. So Kodesh Bochu said to Moshe Rabbeinu, You do it, Moshe Rabbeinu. You do it. Moshe Rabbeinu said, How can I do it? I'm the one who taught B'nai Yisrael justice. When Yitro came and told me that I had to appoint, that I had to appoint judges, and I said to Yitro, but they, they're not like me, the judges that I appoint. I, Moshe Rabbeinu, I receive everything from HaKadosh Baruch Pure and simple, it's clean. How did I trade that in for a whole bunch of judges? The same thing is true with the 70s Zikainim. And the way that Moshe Rabbeinu tells the story at the beginning of Dvarim, the story of the judges. Judges are not obvious. You don't just appoint them and then everything is all right. So Moshe Rabbeinu didn't want to appoint the judges because he knew that the standard would be endangered. As long as he's answering the question, he, Moshe Rabbeinu, is answering the question, he knows that everything is all right, that the answers somehow come from HaKadosh Baruch But if all these other people are going to, all these other people are going to Answer the questions. Who knows that the if the answers are are real or imaginary? Not everybody can answer those kinds of questions. And so Moshe Rabbeinu himself understood that he would not be able to do what Hakadosh Baruch had directed. And so the story tells us that this we were waiting. For the person who would take the place of Moshe Rabbeinu in this particular case. And that person was named Pinchas ben Elazar ben Aaron HaKohen. Pinchas was not a judge. And he was not involved in judgments. And he did not have to decide whether every judgment that was made by every Beit Din, by every court of Jewish law, was correct or not, but he knew the halacha. Boelet Aramit. He knew that halacha. Kanoim Pogimbo. And he said, that's me. 
He said, that's me. And because he said, that's me, the Jews were saved. And because the Jews were saved, and because Pinchas was not a judge, HaKadosh Baruch Hu had to show B'nai Yisrael his appreciation for what Pinchas did, because it was not obvious to the population that Pinchas had done the right thing. They had no way of knowing. There's no way of knowing it. If Boelet Aramit, in a particular case, Kadaim Pogim Boy, in a particular case, but the people are watching, they don't know that this was the most significant act of the early history of the Jewish people. There's no way for them to know. So then, Hakadosh Baruch Hu said, "I will offer him Pinchas Edbriti Shalom," which is another way of saying. Pinchas looks to the future. He looks to what will be. He tries to he tries to get to the point where the idea of shalom becomes a kind of a reality. And that's the story of Moshe Rabbeinu who couldn't do it and Pinchas who finally did do it and was rewarded with Briti Shalom. I wish you all a good Shabbos. It's a little early, but tomorrow is a fast day. I wish you well. If fasting is difficult, ask your doctor if you should do it. Uh, otherwise, I wish you well, as I said. All the best to you. Be well. Thank you, Rabbi. Thank you, Rabbi. Thank you, Rabbi. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.